Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. You're listening to the Sham Radio Network with Minnesota. Violence, theft, drugs, graffiti, it's all part of joining a gang. In times like these, we need to protect our kids and our community from gangs. Gangs often prey on teens with low self-esteem who perform poorly in school and who seek a sense of belonging. Protect kids from gangs. Know who they're hanging out with. Encourage them to become involved in school activities. Give kids a positive alternative to gangs. To learn more, visit ncpc.org or contact your local law enforcement agency. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. A hard, cold winter greeted the pilgrims who reached Plymouth Rock in 1620. Miles Standish was military captain for the colony and one of the few to escape illness. His wife, Rose, was less fortunate. She died of the great sickness that took half the colonists who made the voyage. Yet, even in the wake of their tragic first months, the colonists endured. By that fall, they could celebrate a festival of thanksgiving. Even Miles Standish, who had given much and lost more, was able to pray and thank God for the bountiful harvest. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Laity Lodge. Life brings hard seasons when we need not just words, but courage and enduring faith to continue to thank a good God in the high calling of our daily work. Learn more at thehighcalling.org. Dad, remember when you asked me, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, shh, I want to get paid. Well, right after that, you said, there's no job called getting paid. Really? I said that? Yeah. And that's exactly when I knew. I wanted to go to college. You never know which moments will be the ones they remember forever. So take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one eight seven seven four dad 411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus 
21. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil before thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon a lion and an adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation.
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
and good morning to all of you on this Friday. This is your early morning gospel program. Morning expressions as we prepare for our morning prayer. Heavenly Father, come before you as humbly as we can to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for one more day. Uh, we looked up those, Lord, who listened to us live by way of podcast. Uh, but we especially looked up, Lord, those families of the victims who died in that terrible, terrible school, uh, shooting on the West Coast. So we, we lift them up to you as well, Lord. We pray for peace. Our streets, Lord. We pray. We pray, Lord, for, for peace on our streets, Lord. Pray, Lord, that when they catch these this person or individuals or groups of people who done this, will repent to you, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Lord, we remember those families, Lord. The loss of their loved ones. Morning. So we lift up those Lord so who lost their way one way or another. We ask you, Lord, to have mercy upon them. Thank you. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Guide them and protect them, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people everywhere, Lord. Lord, we pray for peace throughout our land. Pray for peace in our cities, Lord. We pray for peace. Pray, Lord, that all gun all Gunfire will cease. We believe this, Lord, and we trust in you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, touch those, Lord, who are, who are ill this morning. Touch those, Lord, who, who are behind prison walls, Lord. Please touch Lord. Touch those, Lord. Answer the call to serve you. 
We thank you, Lord. Guide us to protect you. It's your family, your friends, our friends, Lord. Our friends, our pastor and his family. Our neighbors as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pray this prayer of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. We'll be back at the end, well, at the top of the hour, that is, for gospel special music and praise music. Jesus' disciples asked him what would be the signs of his return and the end of the age. His response is recorded in Matthew 24 as one of the most detailed prophecies given by Jesus. Through the ages, many have claimed that the end of the world is upon us and proved to be wrong. Some of the important details of the Olivet Prophecy have only been made possible in the last few decades. These are the headlines. In a moment, we're going to look at the important news behind the headlines. Welcome to the Good News Program, presented by the publishers of the Good News Magazine. The Good News doesn't try to cover up today's problems. This is a program that dares to look at today's dilemmas and ask the questions that must be asked. It seeks the answers that must be found, answers that can only be discovered from the pages of your Bible. Please join Gary Petty for a discussion of today's good news subject. Well, good morning. Over the years, there's been many times where people actually thought it was the end of the world. Right now, there is a renewed interest in that, this entire subject that has been sort of spawned by the Left Behind series of novels and movies that have, that have come out, where two writers, the, those two authors, give sort of their viewpoint on what the end of the world is going to be like and what the Bible means by the Great Tribulation and the return of Jesus Christ. People are interested in it. There's a great debate. Theologians, scholars, evangelicals, fundamentalists, preterists, even science fiction buffs get in the mix. I received a letter recently from someone who had come to the conclusion that many of the things that happen in the book of Revelation are actually caused by aliens who come the earth. This renewed interest, of course, has happened throughout history. There was a time during the Middle Ages with the bubonic plague and all kinds of wars that were just ripping Europe apart. Many people thought it was the end of the world. Many people believed that this was it. This was the beginning of the tribulation. Of course, you had between 25 and 30 percent of the entire population of Europe die. They thought it was the end of the world. Here in the United States, in the 1840s, there was a large movement beginning of the Adventist movement, where people believed that Jesus was coming back in the 1840s. And there was a point in time where tens of thousands of people sat on the tops of the roofs of their houses, thinking that Jesus was coming back that night. And didn't. There were people that during the darkest days of World War II, after the Great Depression, you had Nazism taking over. It looked like they were going to conquer the world between Nazi Germany and the fascist government that was in Japan. And it appeared that the world was going to be crushed under this cloud of evil, and many people thought, it is the end of the world. And now it's 60 years later, and time goes on. We're still here. 
Christians are still waiting and still wondering. It's interesting that in all this renewed interest in the book of Revelation, in the prophecies concerning the coming of Christ, the tribulation, the time of the end, as it is called, there's also a great skepticism that many people have. In fact, only 36%, according to Newsweek, only 36% of the people in the United States actually believe that the book of Revelation contains prophecies concerning the future. That's only a little over a third of people. Now, 47% believe that it's metaphorical, that just, it's just filled with metaphors and has no real prophetic meaning at all. Others believe that the book of Revelation has already all been fulfilled, except for maybe a, a few prophecies at the end of the book. Skeptics say, yes, yes, yes. Christians talk about the time at the end where there will be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and pestilences. And it is, you know, it is great stuff for movies. But skeptics say, it's always been that way. World War I was a terrible, terrible war. Millions died. Afterwards, there was a flu epidemic that killed millions more all over the world. But the world survived. Others claim, hey, the earth or the world today is better than it's been in years. And yet when you look around, there's something terribly wrong in the world that we live in. How do we know, how do we know what events will happen that will let us know that it is the time of the end? Because if you look at the prophecies in the Bible, it is obvious that the Messiah is going to come back and the Messiah is going to establish his father's kingdom on this earth, and there's going to be some terrible times happen, terrible things happen in humanity before that time. How do we know if we're approaching that time? And what I want to do here this morning is I want to explore Jesus' Olivet prophecy, and I want to look at three things he talks about in that prophecy. I don't want to go through all the details of it. I just want to look at three things he talks about, three aspects of the Olivet prophecy. Because what's so interesting about these three aspects of that prophecy is these three things could have never been fulfilled in the history of humanity until the last couple of decades. Jesus prophesied some things that couldn't have happened in the 14th century. He prophesied some things that couldn't have happened in the 1840s when the Great Disappointment happened and so many people waited for Jesus and he didn't come back. It couldn't have happened in World War I. It couldn't have happened in World War II. But it can happen now. So let's look at the Olivet Prophecy. Let's turn to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. This prophecy has been read and reread, studied and restudied, discussed over and over again, because it is the most complete passage given by Jesus himself concerning his second coming and the events that would happen beforehand. What's interesting about this prophecy is that like so many prophecies in the Bible, it has what is commonly called a former and latter fulfillment. In other words, the prophecy happened in now what we consider history. It happened in a limited way, but it is not. It doesn't happen in a in a completion until sometime in the future, because these people that he spoke to lived through a limited fulfillment of this prophecy. The things he told them would happen happened in a very limited way in 70 A.D. Because he's talking to a Jewish audience, and he's talking about a destruction of society. In 70 A.D., the Roman armies marched into Jerusalem and burned it to the ground, and over a million people died. But if we look at certain aspects of this prophecy, we realize that it wasn't completely fulfilled in 70 A.D. There are things that for this to, be hap for this to happen in this complete form, there are things that couldn't happen then, and there were things that couldn't have happened over the last 2,000 years, but they are things that could happen for 
thousands of years, people have been fascinated with predictions of the end of the world. Jesus Christ spoke of a future time so horrendous that no human beings would be spared unless those days were shortened. Did he have our time in mind? The eye-opening booklet, Are We Living in the Time of the End, examines exactly what Jesus Christ, his apostles, and the biblical prophets of old really said about the intriguing days they refer to as the time of the end. You don't want to miss out on this valuable information. Call 1-800-966-9232. There is no cost or obligation. The material is absolutely free, provided as an educational service in the public interest. So please call 1-800-966-9232 for your free book. Have you had about all the bad news you can take? Maybe you could use some good news. The Good News is a full-color, bi-monthly magazine that brings you the best news you can hear, and always from a biblical perspective. All literature on this program is provided free as an educational service in the public interest by the United Church of God. It is absolutely free, and there is no charge or obligation. Simply call 1-800-966-9232. The magazine is free. The contents are priceless. The number again is 1-800-966-9232. Or visit us on the web at www.ucg.org. Let's look at what Jesus told his disciples. Let's start in verse 3. I'm going to read through here the first part of this, and then I want to once again zero in on one point. We're not going to go through all the various aspects of what Jesus is teaching here, but I want to zero in on one point in this section. Verse 3 says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. So they're specifically saying, What is going to happen before you come and the end of the age? And we're still waiting for Jesus to come. So many of the things he told them have yet to be fulfilled. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. We tell, the first thing he tells them is that there's going to be a great false understanding about who Jesus Christ is as the Son of the living God. He says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And all these are just the beginning of sorrows. He talks about in verses 9 and 10 and 11 and 12 and 13, he talks about how his followers will be persecuted and they will be hated. But then verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, there's always been wars and rumors of wars, and there's always been pestilences, and there's always been diseases, and there's always been earthquakes, although before the end, all these things will just get worse. They will culminate and bring humanity to the very edge of destruction. But he says here that the gospel would be preached to all the ends of the earth. Jesus told his disciples, you go out and you preach the gospel. They went out and they made other disciples and they made other disciples and they preached the gospel. And in the hundred years after the death of Jesus Christ, they had reached many ends or the farthest ends of the Roman Empire. And the world still had not had the gospel preached. Most of humanity had never even heard the gospel message. 
Many people inside the Roman Empire, of course, hadn't heard, hadn't heard it either. The gospel message was spread by foot. People went places, and they, they talked. It wasn't until the end of the Middle Ages that the Bible became available to the common person. I mean, in the first century, you had to go to a synagogue to have the scrolls opened up, and then they had the letters and what we call the New Testament, and they began to collect those and make copies of them. The church began to get scrolls, and they began to keep those. The average person did not have a Bible to read. If you were very wealthy, maybe you owned one part of the Bible, owned maybe Isaiah. If you were part of the New Testament church, your congregation may have some scrolls, and you may have the writings of Paul, and you may have the gospel accounts, and they're read, and they're taken care of in your congregation, but the average person did not have them. In fact, if you look at what happened in the Roman Empire in the 2nd century and the 3rd century, the gospel message almost died out. It was just a flicker in that dark world. And then you look at what happened in the Middle Ages, and you really study what happened in the Middle Ages. Christianity became a very dark, a very dark religion. The Inquisition, the things that were done in the name of Jesus Christ, the gospel was a flicker. It never went to the whole world. And until the Bible was made available, those first copies began to appear in German, and then English, in, in, in Europe, it was even possible to preach the gospel to the world. Then, it's only been the last 70 or 80 years that there has been the electronic means to reach the world with the gospel. It is now possible to reach people in a small village in China that a missionary never got to. No one's, ever, no one's ever been there. You know why? They have computers, and they get on the Internet. That could not have ever been fulfilled in history before. There was no way to get the gospel to the world. Now, if you're a student of the book of Revelation, you know that part of that is going to be fulfilled by two individuals that will come in the future called the two witnesses, that the whole world will see and they will spread the message. But even now, the beginning of that is happening. People are being able to have Bibles. People are able to hear the truth in numbers that the Apostle Paul never dreamed of, never dreamed of. And so we have a little element of this prophecy that could never have happened in the past. It's only been recently, in the last hundred years, that that was even conceivable. Let's look at a second point. Let's skip down to verse 21. We'll go back and read um, the other verses in a minute, but I'm going to skip down to verse 21 because this gives us a context of what Jesus is talking about. In verse 21, he says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. That, that's a remarkable statement if you study history. In 70 AD, according to contemporary accounts, about a million people died in Jerusalem. Starved to death. It was a terrible time. Cannibalism became uh, not common, but it, it, people started to, to cannibalize under the siege. Eventually the Romans came in. Those who weren't killed in battle, many were, were crucified. But then you start to look at other things in history. I mentioned the, the Middle Ages with the bubonic plague. Tens of millions died. The Hundred Years' War. It's called the Hundred Years' War because it was fought for a hundred years. World War I, 14 to 15 million people died. Do you realize in Stalinist Russia, the communists killed 20 million of their own people? 20 million of their own people that ended up in gulags in Siberia or were just outright shot. And then in all of history, there's been nothing like what happened in World War II. The Holocaust. And we would look at the fact that 6 million Jews were killed in the concentration camps. 
there was at least another 5 million people killed in the concentration camps that weren't Jews. There were 50 million people that died in World War II. Over a million 200,000 people died in Leningrad alone during the Battle of Leningrad. And during that siege, many of them were women and children who starved to death. The catastrophes are so enormous, even those who lived through it have no idea what was happening on that global scale. And yet Jesus said here, this time is going to be worse than anything that ever happened before it, and there'll be nothing like it afterwards. That statement alone means that Matthew 24 has not yet been fulfilled. Jesus, all of that prophecy has not yet happened, except in that limited way in 70 AD. There is a time coming that is so terrible, it is beyond our imagination. And this is the important verse here in verse 22. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. You know, I don't care how big an army was armed with spears and swords. They couldn't kill everybody on the face of the earth. I don't care what disease you let loose naturally all through history. And there's been diseases that have killed large populations. It couldn't kill everybody. The earth is, nature is designed by God to, uh, to protect humanity. Diseases run courses and die off. You could arm men with flintlock rifles, and you couldn't kill everybody. So you armed them with machine guns and tanks and 1,000-pound bombs, and you still can't kill everybody. There's just a limited amount of resources that that level of war will absorb until it absorbs all of its resources. You cannot create disease epidemics in a natural sense or even warfare that would fulfill this until, until the 1950s. Because in the 1950s, between the United States and the Soviet Union, between the 1950s and 60s and 70s, we built enough nuclear weapons to kill every living thing on the face of the earth about 50 times. That doesn't include the biological weapons that have been created and are now available on a massive scale. Bubonic plague is one of the things, or one of the biological weapons, that have actually been developed. It is amazing what was developed in the Soviet Union under the no one even knows what happened. Here's a scripture that is mentioned by Christ, a prophecy by Christ, that has had no time in history when it could be fulfilled. Now, if you lived in Central Europe in the 14th century, you would have thought it could have been fulfilled, because you didn't realize that nobody in Japan was dying from the bubonic plague. You couldn't realize that the, you know, this was just a local event. I mean, it was massive, but it was still a local event, just like what happened in, to the Jews in 70 AD was massive, but it was still a local event. Jesus says here that this event is so terrible that unless he comes back, nobody lives. That has never been possible before. It is now. It is now. And you know, some of you will remember 20 and 30 years ago when the thought of nuclear war was frightening. It seemed real. We don't think about it much anymore, do we? You think they dismantled all those bombs? We actually live in a more dangerous world than we lived 20, 40 years ago because it's unpredictable. One thing 9-11 taught us, it is unpredictable. You don't know what can happen tomorrow. That could be another just a predictor of gloom and doom. But it is obvious that there are things that Jesus said that could have never happened before. Are we in the time of the end? Well, I, the world's not going to end today. So we can take a deep breath and feel okay. okay? It's not going to end today. But these things could have never happened before, and they can now. Where in the world are we headed? Can we know? Can we know what lies ahead? Where are world conditions and trends taking us? 
Does Bible prophecy tell us what we should expect in the coming months and years? The answer is yes. Many Bible prophecies are quite clear that increasingly cataclysmic events will occur on this earth before God's direct intervention. You can know these answers. The publishers of the Good News magazine would like to send you an absolutely free booklet concerning biblical prophecies of these end times. Request your free copy of Are We Living in the Time of the End? Call 1-800-966-9232. This material is provided free as a public service by the sponsors of this radio program. Understanding end-time Bible prophecy is possible. Call 1-800-966-9232 for your free copy of Are We Living in the Time of the End? One other point I want to bring out here, and that's in verse 15. He's talking about a passage from the book of Daniel. We won't go there and, and discuss that because, once again, I just want to zero in on one point. Says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. He says, let those who are in, the, in Judea flee to the mountains. He says, whenever you see, and you, you go back to Daniel and you see it has to do with, with the worship of pagan idols, it has to do with, the, with armies surrounding Jerusalem, what you have here, he says, those in Judea are to flee when you see this in the holy place. Now, the holy place is the, what is the temple. Ancient Israel was told to build a temple to worship God in Jerusalem. Solomon built a temple. And, of course, it was destroyed, and it was rebuilt by Zerubbabel, and then Herod redesigned the whole thing. So at the time of Jesus, you had a beautiful temple there. These people who he wrote to, the people that Jesus was talking to, knew what the holy place was. It was the temple. Now, in 70 A.D., that temple was destroyed. So we have this prophecy that says, well, when you see this set up in the holy place, you know, get out. If you're in Judea, get out. But there's no temple. And you know, in the 14th century, there was no temple. And there couldn't be a temple. There was no Jewish presence in Jerusalem that could build a temple. And then in the 1840s, when people all over the United States went to their rooftops and waited for Jesus to come back, there was no temple. There was no temple during World War II. There's no temple now. But in 1948, the possibility of a temple became real. Because in 1948, the nation of Israel was established. And from that moment on, people began to plan to rebuild the temple. Let's go on the Internet and look up Temple Mount Institute. There, is, there are people in Israel that have studied people's genealogies, and they have a Levitical priesthood selected. They have studied the rituals that they were supposed to do in the Old Testament. They know what kind of animals are to be used. They have recreated the high priest's clothing, and they are waiting for the opportunity to reestablish some kind of temple in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know what kind of temple it will be. It doesn't have to be on the scale of Solomon's temple or Herod's temple, but there is going to be a temple, some sort of, uh, some sort of temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. That was not possible to a little over 50 years ago. It is possible today. And so there's another element of this prophecy that has never been possible to now. And there are people who are trying to go about to do this. So we can see just from this brief looking at Matthew 24, the Olivet Prophecy, that there are three important elements of this prophecy that could not have happened any other time in history and yet can happen now, which we need to be aware of and we need to be looking for. We need to be looking for the preaching of the gospel to the world and involved in it. We need to be aware of world events in the context of the ability to annihilate humanity. 
Now the concept of wars and rumors of wars takes on a little different viewpoint. Not just wars and rumors of wars in the normal sense, but wars and rumors of war that's propelling humanity towards massive destruction. And then we need to look for the reconstruction of some kind of temple in Jerusalem. In, in the uh, last part of the book of Daniel, Daniel told the prophesy that there will be sacrifices made in Jerusalem before the end, and they will stop. For there to be sacrifices, there must be some temple some form of edifice. It can be a tent. Remember, the first temple was a tabernacle that the Israelites carried around with them. But it is now possible. That was not possible over the last, most of the two, last 2,000 years. And now is. So we need to look for those things. Anticipate those things. And realize as we watch those things happen that we are now on the cuspus. We are on the edge of the time of the end. Let's just finish up in Matthew 24 here with, with some good news. Okay, now I guess we've been going through the bad news. Let's go through some good news here. Because the time of the end isn't the destruction of the world. You know, just about a massive destruction and humanity is destroyed. Jesus said, I will come back before that happens. That's the great promise. God says, I, I'm not going to let my children destroy themselves. He's going to let us get right up to the edge so we have no more solutions. So we can never blame God. If you'd have given us a little more time, we'd have figured it out. He lets us go up to the edge and then says, okay, folks, it's enough. And he sends his son back to start fixing this mess. That's why, in verse 29, Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The whole world will see this. This is a massive event that all humanity sees. Verse 31 says, and He will send His angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. There's coming a time, and humanity is hurtling towards that time. And it, it is never good for Christians to try to set up exact knowledge of when Jesus Christ is going to come back because nobody knows. But it is important to understand that there are things we're, that are going to happen that we need to look for. And Jesus tells us there, we just looked at three things that could have never happened in history before but are possible right now. And some of these things are mentioned in your headlines of your newspaper every day. The good news is Jesus is coming back, not this time, the baby in the manger. But he's coming back this time in power and glory as the Son of God and King of Kings to establish his Father's kingdom on this earth. For thousands of years, people have been fascinated with predictions of the end of the world. Jesus Christ spoke of a future time so horrendous that no human beings would be spared unless those days were shortened. Did he have our time in mind? The eye-opening booklet, Are We Living in the Time of the End, examines exactly what Jesus Christ, his apostles, and the biblical prophets of old really said about the intriguing days they refer to as the time of the end. You don't want to miss out on this valuable information. Call 1-800-966-9232. There is no cost or obligation. The material is absolutely free provided as an educational service in the public interest. So please call 1-800-966-9232 for your free book. You've been listening to the Good News Radio Program, presented by the publishers of the Good News.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.